Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Okay, we're recording, and uh, this is Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast, and today Brandy is not with me, but I have a special guest, and I'm super excited. Uh, my friend, Allison Fahrenbach, hopefully I pronounced your last name right. Is it back or yeah. back? <laughs> I never know. Um, but she's joining me today as my, my co-host and my special guest. And um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. And Brandy's really squeamish about this. She was like, yeah, I'll just pass on that conversation. Oh, gosh. So many people are. I know, but I love to talk. We're going to talk about poop today and digestive health. And it's something super important to both of us. But before I do that, um, Allison, why don't you introduce yourself? I think a lot of people probably know you, but um, tell everybody a little bit about you and yeah, just go. Okay. I have, I never know what to say for these things, um, but yeah, so my name is Allie and I am a coach. Uh, I own my own online coaching company, AFS Coaching, and outside of that, I am a natural pro figure competitor. I'm married. I have four dogs. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much all I can think of um, in terms of like who I am and what I do. But well, why don't you give a little background on your experience and why digestive health is so important to you? Okay, so so that's a, that's a little bit of a long-winded story. But back in I would say circa 2010, 2011, I started having digestive problems, like just a random, you know, conglomeration of digestive problems, right? I had, would, would get gas when I was eating. I had bloating. I had diarrhea. Um, I had constipation. I, I just had all kinds of, of digestive problems. And I think like most people, I just ignored it. I just like brushed it off. I was just like, it's not a big deal or it's normal or it'll shake itself out. Mm -hmm. But to make a long story short, um, it got wretchedly worse to the point where I started going to gastroenterologists and trying to figure out what was wrong. This was probably in 2013. And then, again, to make a long story short, in 2014, they found an inflammation in the sigmoid portion of my colon and they diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis. And I, at the time, I was like, okay, so what do I do? And the, the doctor was like, well, it's a chronic condition. You can't heal it. So the only thing you can do is manage symptoms. And I'll give you a handout on the low FODMAP diet, and that should take care of most of it. And then he sent me home. Mm. And so my passion for gut health stems from what I've been through myself. I was pretty much left to my own devices you know, here's this condition that I have. And I had no idea what it was, no idea why I had it, no idea what had caused it. And most importantly, I had no idea what to do to manage it. And so I just started just reading and researching and reading and researching. And this was back in like 2014, 15, 16, before gut health was as much in the spotlight as it is now. Right. And so a lot of my initial education for gut health was strictly self-study and was strictly self-experience. Mm -hmm. um, but then this past year, I decided, finally, I pulled the plug, pulled the trigger, um, 
<laughs> and decided to go back to school because I wasn't competing this year and it just seems like it would going to be it would be excuse me a good time and so I decided to go back to school the Institute for uh, Integrative Nutrition and Health and my specialty in school is gastrointestinal health so now I've actually begun to put some official study behind me um, which has been absolutely amazing but that gives a little bit of a background as to why I'm so passionate about gastrointestinal health because you know, I think it was Hippocrates that said, you know, the gut is, it is health. It is mm-hmm. the epicenter of health. It is the, it is central to our whole being. And the more and more I learn about the gut and the, and the gut microbiome, the more I realize that your gut and your microbiome are a lot like your hormones. They're like the control center of your body. And when your guts are pissed, it's not a pretty picture for the rest of your health. So it's something that I just am very passionate about. And it's something, I mean, I think everybody to some degree can benefit from learning how to take better care of their, of their stomach. And I am a thousand percent in agreement with you. And, you know, um, while I am not going back to school for it, and like I, like I was telling you before we started recording, I was like, I'm so glad I have a smart friend that's going to school for this, you know, cause I, I study, but I'm not like officially going to school. So um, but right. I'm with you. I was, you know, it was for me, it was like 2015, I think 16. Nope. It might've been almost around the time you're talking about. It was a couple of years after I stopped okay. eating. So I'm going to say maybe 13 or 14. And I was, my gut was just a wreck. I mean, I was a wreck in general from years of competing, but you know, my, my gut was, it was, I was just a wreck. I, I, I was either not pooping full of gas, just like, I just felt full and bloated and miserable all day long and, and just in pain. And, you know, I saw the gastroenterologist, we did uh, endoscopies and colonoscopies and blood tests. And I saw a holistic doctor and we did food sensitivity tests and, you know, all the things. And, you know, there was a nutritionist that helped me after the food sensitivity test. And, you know, I don't, <laughs> you know, there were foods that said were perfectly fine on my sensitivity test that I knew once I ate them were trying to kill me. Um, and right. you know, so my, my gut was a wreck and I was left, I was like, Oh, well, okay. You guys aren't really helping me. So I'm just going to figure this shit out on my own. And I did yeah. thankfully. And you know, a, a combination of, uh, low FODMAP. Um, and you know, I did a, a huge elimination diet for a period of time and then low FODMAP and I've been able to introduce things back in, which is great. But now I know, I know my body really well. So I know what's going to try to kill me and what's not. Um, and working, you know, and, and working with clients and, and, and I know, like you said, like it's, it's, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm under trying to understand all the science behind it as I do my own learning, but you know, when your gut feels like shit, you feel like shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, I know for me when my gut is not feeling well, I have more anxiety. I feel more depressed. You know, so it exacerbates so many other things in my body, right? So my physical pain. So when my gut feels great, I feel lighter on my feet. I feel more energetic. I just, you know, you just feel better. And so, you know, in coaching clients like you, like I, I don't want my clients to have to go through the idiocy that, that I had to go through and nobody wants to feel miserable all the time, right? We want to optimize their training and nutrition for their fitness goals, right? I mean, and you can't do that without your gut being healthy. I mean, you just can't, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? No, you're a hundred percent correct. And 
everything that you said, even about, you know, how when your guts feel good or when your digestion is healthy and your bowel movements are normal, you know, your anxiety is lower, your mood is better. Like that's clinically researched and backed. Yep. So there's direct correlations between, all, between your gut and all of these components and all of these facets of health, which is why I am very much a gut centric coach. If I have a client who comes to me and they say, you know, they ha- they're having chronic migraines or they're having, you know, joint pain or they have strange rashes or they, you know, are really, really anxious or they're dealing with insomnia at night. I'm going to the gut. So some of my first initial lines of questioning will be, you know, about the foods that they're eating or their digestion or their bowel movements or the things that people don't ever really want to talk about. But the things that are such crucial components of our well-being, because most of us, particularly if, if you're an athlete and you're a bodybuilder, and I know you have a lot of competitors who listen to this podcast, you're eating several times a day. Your gut is playing a role in all of that. And the assimilation and the absorption and the digestion and the processing of food and your body's ability to extract what it needs. And I mean, it's just, it's, I always go to the gut first. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you on that. And, you know, it's, and, um, why don't we um, talk a little bit about poop? <laughs> Since we, yes, we said we were going to talk we, about it, we said we were going. You know, it's so funny. My uh, my husband swears. Like, I, there was this one competition prep. I had a bunch of clients getting ready for a show, and it was during peak week. And for some reason, suddenly every I mean, things slow down when your body fat's super low a lot of time anyway. So it was like that particular week. I swear to God, everybody was like, "I'm not pooping," and I was like, "Am I?" I felt like. <laughs> I felt like I was suddenly dealing with toddlers again, right? Like I was like, I am suddenly dealing with potty training. I'm just like, did you poop today? You know, did you not poop today? Right. But yeah, it's just kind of a a funny joke, but funny, not funny. Ha ha. Um, So, so tell me, tell me about my poop. (laughs) So, so nobody likes to talk about this, but if you can, if you can, you know, bridge that gap, it's, it's really actually a great way to get a, a self gauge on your health to be able to understand what your stool is trying to tell you. Um, if, if you, and I'm not saying you have to stand there and like stare at it in the toilet, but learning how to interpret what's coming out of you can help you make better decisions about what you put into you. It can help you make better decisions about your diet and it can help you understand some of what might be going on internally. Um, and I, for the record, thing. do look at my poop in the toilet as, as I believe everybody <laughs> should. I don't, I don't stare at it longingly. I don't, you know, like I don't, <laughs> but I do take right. a moment to glance and make sure everything's okay. <laughs> So I think like the first thing I maybe should say, you know, is what is stool, right? Yeah. What is, what is your actual poop? So it might surprise people to know that 75% of your stool is actually water, which is why dehydration is such a contributory factor to constipation. Um, because the bulk, the literally the majority of your stool is made up of water. The, the remaining solid matter is like, it's actually like 25 to 50% microbes or bacteria, fiber, mucus, exfoliated gut lining, and, you know, what your body didn't need, the remnants of what it couldn't use. Um, so what happens is digestion begins in the mouth. 
with chewing, right? And then you swallow the food and it goes to the esophagus and it lands in the stomach. It mingles with your digestive juices. From there, after the food breaks down, it travels into the small intestine. More digestive enzymes are added. And it then continues along the digestive tract and into the large intestine where water is absorbed. And then after that, it goes into the rectum and out of your butt as stool. So the basic, like very basic, but that's a basic overview of what is stool and, and what actually comes out of you. In terms of stool consistency, I all, you know, and, and, and actually paying attention to what comes out of you. I always refer people to, you know, the Bristol stool chart, which I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure almost everybody is familiar with at this point. Um, but I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit more in depth. But like, you know, the scale, was, it's, it's been around since the 1990s. And it's a useful diagnostic tool, you know, for coaches, for doctors, for clinicians, just for people, you know, who are having gastrointestinal disorders or people who are experiencing changes in their bowel habits. But it basically breaks stool down into seven different types. So you've got everything from hard lumps, like little separate hard lumps that are really, really hard to pass. That we like to call rabbit turds. Yes, exactly. The pellet poo. (laughs) The rabbit Um, turds. Down to every, down to like entirely liquid, right? We've got water, we've got no solid pieces whatsoever, um, you know, things like that. So technically, I think it's type four on the stool chart is what's considered ideal. And type four is sausage shaped or snake like smooth and soft. But the one caveat I always mention to my clients and just in general is that what is a, what is considered a normal bowel movement varies from one person to another, because there are a lot of factors that influence bowel habits down to some people have faster motility than others. Some people are slower digesters, digesters than others. And by that, what I mean is the transit time that it takes my food to make its trip through might be different than your transit time. Right. The longer your food stays in your body, the harder and drier it gets. The faster it moves through your body, the less formed it's going to be. So if you have you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm not a type four, that doesn't necessarily mean you're abnormal. It just means, you know, you're, you're not fitting into this neat little box of type four is what's considered ideal. I always tell people, you need to know what's normal for you. And then abnormal means anything outside of that. So if normal for you is type five or type three, then abnormal is, is, any kind of stool consistency that deviates from that. And there are a lot of things that can cause a change in bowel habits. Well, so Allison, let me, let, can, me ask, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this. Um, what is the normal amount of poo you should have daily, weekly, whatever? Like how many times a day? Like what, how should that look for most people? You mean the, the frequency? Frequency. Like the of frequency is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I, I was thinking you meant volume. I'm like, um, no, nope. I said the am- amount was wrong. I meant um, a number of times a day, <laughs> which also means frequency. I often have trouble finding words. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So once a day at a minimum. 
is the amount of times you should go. And I am well aware that the medical community does not subscribe to that school of thought. They will tell you that if you go two to three times a week, you're fine. And if, if you are listening to this and you have ever experienced several days in a row where you don't go, you know that that is not normal or okay. It is not so, okay. It is not okay. And the number of clients I have worked with that have come to me only pooping two or three times a week and say they have done yep. that their whole life. One, it, yep. it like literally breaks my heart in a million pieces because I know that can't possibly feel good. Right. I mean, it's just like, right. that's, that's not, no, no, that's, that might be normal for you, but that is by far, that is not normal. Like that's just not, that's not to me, that's not healthy. It's not healthy because a healthy bowel should produce a daily healthy movement. If you're That's eating daily, you should um, be pooping daily. <laughs> you should be pooping daily. So mm -hmm. in general, I consider bowel habits to be like regular or healthy. If you go anywhere from like one to three times a day, if you're over three times a day, that that could be an indicator of a problem. But it, again, on the flip side, if you're not going daily, then that's a problem that needs addressed too. Um, so can we so, start, can we start with that if you don't mind? Because I think constipation, not to throw you off of your, your notes, but I think constipation, uh, at least in my experience with clients and just, you know, talking to people in general seems to be the most common issue, right? So that, that I think needs to be addressed like straight off the bat. So what, what happens? Why do people get constipated? So there are a lot of reasons why people can get constipated. So you have, you can have dietary reasons why somebody would be constipated. You can have functional reasons why somebody would be constipated. There can be, you know, a slow clonic transit or there can be motility issues. Um, some people even have what's called a redundant colon in which the colon actually has like extra, you know, extra loops and it makes the transit time excessively slow. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people can be constipated. People can even be constipated due to lifestyle choices like stress or dehydration or medication, um, activity levels or lack thereof. Uh, hormone related changes can lead to constipation, but more often than not, particularly if you suffer with as you mentioned earlier, the, like the pellet poop, like the separate hard lumps that are really, really hard to pass, that's very typical for what's called acute dysbacteriosis. Basically, those stools lack a normal poop consistency because bacteria are missing and there's nothing to retain water. And then due to the slow transit time, the colon also soaks up a lot of the water, which hardens the stool. Like it's a really common type of stool, like to follow a treatment of antibiotics mm -hmm. um, because antibiotics, you know, they work really great. They kill off all the bad guys, but they kill off all the good guys too. So right. that leaves you with that dysbacteriosis, which I mentioned. Um, it's also very common with people who eat low carb diets because those tend to be diets that are really deficient in fiber. Um, so those are some of the contributory factors to constipation. Personally, the two contributing factors that I see the most in my coaching practice, and this is going to sound so basic, is lack of proper fiber and lack of water. Yes. And I'm just being, people don't drink enough water and they don't eat enough fiber, particular, particularly, excuse me, soluble fiber, 
which draws water into the into the um, colon. And and I would say in my experience, it's it's similar, right? So I, I would say the number one is usually water. I mean, it's you know usually the simplest thing. I and anybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows I'm like drink your water. Like, why is this so hard? Um, yeah, because you know, and it's it's funny. I had a client check in today. And, you know, very long story short, we had done an increase in her calories and she's like, I think the volume in food made my, my, uh, my poo less frequent or it was harder to pass or whatever. But I also noticed she drank about 50 ounces less water this week that daily than she did last week. And I was like, mm. right. I was like, I, I don't think it's the volume of food. Cause it wasn't that much. I mean, it was like, you know, 50 calories worth of food. I said, it's probably the fact that you drink less water this week, right? But it was like immediately it went to food and it was, and it more likely it was just water. And I would say, I would say eight times out of 10, a, a client's bowel habits improve with the, with the appropriate amount of water. Um, and then fiber, fiber definitely. But I think that maybe you should talk a little bit about that because um, too much fiber can be a problem too, or the wrong kind of fiber, right? Yeah, too much too much fiber can sometimes be a problem depending upon what the underlying issue is. Um, I think it more boils down to fiber type. Um, so, I can, and I can I touch on that for a minute. So, there are two kinds of fiber for anybody listening who's not 100% sure. So, there's soluble and insoluble. Soluble fiber absorbs water in the stomach and intestine. Like it, it forms uh, almost like a gel that slows digestion. Um, insoluble fiber is the opposite. It does not absorb water. It passes through the small intestine without breaking down. Now, it's not that insoluble fiber isn't important for intestinal health. It is, right? It adds bulk to the stool. It aids in the passage through the large intestine. But typically... Soluble fiber is, is better, I want to say, for digestion. It actually has been scientifically proven to help ease IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and then symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. So I'm talking about gas, bloating, uh, bowel irregularities. Um, by attracting water, soluble fiber removes excess fluid, so it can help decrease diarrhea, but it also increases the water-holding capacity of the stool which softens the stool and then makes it easier to pass, which helps in constipation. So those are basically the, the two types of fiber. And you really need a blend of both as far as how much of each. Now we're talking about bioindividuality. Now right. we're talking about you need to find what works for you versus you know, trying to Google, do I need X amount of soluble fiber and X amount of insoluble fiber? You've got to play around and, and, and figure out what works for you. Right. I, like I know for me, too much fiber is the devil for me. So, you know, I'm typically around 10 to 15 grams of fiber a day, my, my total fiber intake, which is a good place to make my belly happy. Um, whereas, you know, other people might need slightly more based on, you know, how big they are, how much they eat, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. That's a hundred percent individual, but here's, here's, here's the other loaded question, right? What about fiber supplements that gastrointestinal doctors, every single client I have with GI issues that has gone to see a GI doctor has come back and said, they told me to take Miralax or Metamucil and sent me on my way. Yeah, so 
I am a huge proponent of sourcing your fiber from natural foods as much as possible. And this is for several reasons. So if you actually read the studies that prompted this whole like high fiber, like take a fiber supplement movement, like they're actually very outdated. But if you actually like, you know, want to read them, you'll notice that the young, healthy participants who had better bowel movements with fiber supplement, they weren't constipated when they started. So that's the key, like right there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a lot of more recent evidence that it has involved people who who went on a high fiber diet after having constipation issues. And those studies have shown that fiber supplementation can actually exacerbate constipation. So it's not necessarily that a low fiber diet is the cause of constipation. As I just mentioned, constipation can be caused by a myriad of of things. Um, And I think the one study showed that only 20% of slow transit patients actually benefited from a fiber supplement. So it it can actually make your symptoms worse. It can cause a lot of flatulence. It can cause a a lot of gas. It can cause a lot of bloating. Mm -hmm. And mainly because fiber supplements are very dehydrating. So part of what creates a successful elimination or literally what enables you to pass a stool hinges on your body's ability to draw water into the bowels. So if you eat, let's say, you know, you're, you're eating a piece of fruit or a vegetable that contains fiber. Well, that fiber comes packaged with water and electrolytes. A dry powdered fiber supplement is stripped of all those nutrients. Mm-hmm. So it tends, to, it tends to be more dehydrating to the digestive tract, which can make fecal matter more compact and it, and it can make it more difficult to eliminate. Um, and then there's also the problem, you know, the other reason that I don't find fiber supplements to be, be very beneficial is they can really throw your gut flora, your gut microbiome, um, basically the thriving city of bacteria and fungi and viruses and everything that lives in your stomach really out of whack. Um, there's been studies that have shown that fiber, particularly fiber source, like fiber supplements sourced from grains have a really negative effect on gut flora. Um, fruits and vegetables, just they just provide a better quality fiber. It's just not as harsh on the digestive system. Um, so I always try to advocate that if you do need a higher fiber diet, you source it as naturally as possible from fruits, from vegetables, and try to just avoid taking like an over-the-counter fiber supplement. Yeah, because everybody, you know, it, well, it just drives me nuts that, you know, Western medicine doctors, that's, that's their go-to. It just, it always seems to be the answer. And, and I would say that, you know, nine times out of 10, um, if I can convince a client to like, don't take that yet, let's just try some dietary changes. And, and I would right. say nine, 9.9 times out of 10, it, the symptoms improve. Absolutely. And it's, it's unfortunate, you know, but it it is just a fact, which is that the way Western doctors are trained, they're just not given nutritional therapy as an option. It's not their priority, right? Right. Western medicine, um, the modern medical community, they treat symptoms. They don't prevent disease. 
So it's not their job to figure out why you're constipated and it's not their job to intervene with nutritional or lifestyle suggestions. It's their job to try to figure out what they can prescribe you, right. you know, pharmaceutically to fix whatever your symptom is. And so, you know, that's why sometimes it really can help to work with someone like you or, you know, a functional medicine, you know, practitioner or a registered dietitian or a health coach or a wellness coach or somebody else who can help you make the necessary dietary and lifestyle changes rather than saying, go to the store, buy Metamucil and take Miralax for the rest of your life. Right. You know, that I, kind of I distinctly remember one of the GI doctors I saw and, you know, I was chronically constipated and feeling horrible. And she you know, she says you have IBS and I, I mean, and while I, yes, I know IBS is, is a thing and I'm using air quotes that you can't see. Um, I was like, <laughs> I, I said, I call bullshit. And she was, she looked at me like I was like, I had three heads because I was like, I was like, I, I'm not, she goes, no, it is, it is a, it is a medical condition. I said, I understand that. I, I know what the letters mean in IBS. And I understand, I understand that what you're saying I said, but I call bullshit on why don't we find out what's the underlying reason why I have IBS, right? Like, I don't, you can't just send me off with IBS and a prescription for a spastic colon, which, oh, by the way, was never my issue, right? It was underlying lifestyle and, and nutritional choices that were causing my constipation. I didn't need, I didn't have a spastic colon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, right. she, and she was, she was. I never saw her again. She was none too happy with me calling bullshit on her, you know, and it wasn't, I was calling bullshit on the fact that I had IBS because clearly I did. But I, you know, for me, I was like, well, help me understand why, why do I have IBS? Right? Like, how can I fix it? And of course she had uh, not a clue. And, you know, and I work with a doctor as it's just kind of funny when you said, you know, their nutrition, you know, isn't their thing. Um, yeah, I work with a doctor and he told me, he said, um, oh, I'm sorry, hang on one second. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was that a, okay? I was a small little blip and uh, my son decided to shut my office door and my dog decided to go chase after another dog and the door was shut. So I got tangled up in my earbuds and as I tried to get to the door, sorry about that. Um, Anyway, quick, uh, the doctor that I work with, he, you know, we were talking about it and he, he said, yeah, I think I had one class on nutrition and I skipped it. Yeah. And like, the, oh. the diagnosis, the diagnosis <laughs> IBS, and this is off topic from, from uh, poop, but you know, IBS, which for those listening that may not know, it stands for irritable bowel syndrome, and it's technically a functional motility disorder, which with no known cause and no known cure. Right. And despite there technically being a Rome criteria for diagnosing IBS, I I have heard it coined a trash bucket diagnosis before, and I tend to agree. Meaning, I feel most people get shoved into the here you have IBS box simply because the medical community can't comfortably squeeze you into any other diagnosis. Right. right? Because they like don't they, find any they, actual disease, right? Like they're not finding th- like the thing that this blood test said right. or this colonoscopy said was wrong with you. So you have IBS here, take a prescription or some Metamucil and go on your way. 
Correct. You're, you know, you're, there's nothing you can do except eat a low FODMAP diet, manage your stress, you know, try to piece together a coping strategy, you know, which usually involves the poor person guessing about over-the-counter antidiarrheals or trying to take laxatives or limiting their travel or waking up several hours before work in order to spend enough time in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's just, it, it's it's that's a whole nother like podcast in and of itself but yeah. that's definitely that's definitely a, tra- a trash bucket diagnosis is yeah. the best way for me to call yeah, it it's I, like I, we can't figure out what else is wrong with you so we're just going to tell you that you have irritable bowel syndrome and send you on your way yep 100 percent. so um what about probiotics and what 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 are your thoughts on those and mm-hmm. can you give our listeners any I mean, I know probiotics are another thing are going to be very individual, but kind of like, what are your, your thoughts on all of that? Oh, I got a lot of thoughts on probiotics. <laughs> um, so that's, again, that's like a whole nother podcast. Um, so with regards to probiotic supplementation, um, it really boils down to the same. I always tell people to start at the same place where I tell people to start when they want to take any supplement, which is ask yourself why you want to take it. What is your goal? Do you have existing gastrointestinal issues? Is there a specific dysbiosis that you're trying to correct? Are you trying to alleviate a specific symptom, brain fog, constipation, anxiety, gas, bloating? Or are you just relatively healthy and then you want to support your gut health? Because there is a ton of different probiotics on the market. And the one that you choose or the one that you look towards has to fit with your goal, um, which I guess I should even explain what a probiotic is. Um, so probiotics are, probiotic means, you know, of life. So they're living organisms and you're literally putting them in your body in the hopes that they're going to colonize and improve your gastrointestinal health. Um, so, from there, I think the best thing to, to remind people of is that probiotics don't just impact gut function. They also impact whole body health. So that's why I said it's important for you to figure out why you want to take a probiotic or what you hope to obtain by taking a probiotic. And then that will help direct you forward as to what type of probiotic you would want to take. No, and then what's the difference between probiotics and prebiotics? So prebiotics, if you think of it this way, pre is like before. So think of it as a pro, as a before the probiotic. Prebiotics are food for probiotics. So if you think of it as if you plant a bunch of seeds in a garden, but you don't water them, what happens? Nothing. Nothing grows. You just got a bunch of seeds in the dirt. Pretty much how I used to Similarly, <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, if you, yeah, I don't garden either. I can't grow anything. No, nope, it's not my thing. Um, similarly, if you take a probiotic, but you don't consume prebiotics, you have basically put a bunch of seeds in the dirt and you've crossed your fingers and hope that they're going to grow without being watered and fed. So prebiotics are basically food for the probiotics. And prebiotics, again, you can take a prebiotic you can even buy an over-the-counter. They're called symbiotics. They're a blend of pre and probiotics. But the best thing, again, that I come back to is just eat prebiotic-rich foods. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of options out there. You know, Jerusalem artichokes, um, 
onions, garlic, I think leeks, you know, just eat prebiotic rich foods, asparagus, um, as much as you, as you possibly can. Now, what would you say, so for somebody like me, if I were to use myself, for example, like I, I know that pretty much every food you just listed as a prebiotic tries to kill me. So I, I cannot, well, one, I can't eat garlic because of my lupus. So garlic actually exacerbates lupus symptoms, but it also garlic and onions in particular, like I literally, I would be keeled over if I tried to eat them. So for somebody who, So, so pretty much everything on the prebiotic list makes me, makes my gut be very unhappy. Why would that be? Okay, so why would that be? That I would (laughs) know more about you personally. But in terms of what you could do about it, then that's one of those situations where you might want to look into taking a supplement that contains some prebiotic fibers or eat, you know, prebiotic fiber gummies or something like that where you can get your prebiotics in from something like chicory root or inulin or something like that versus having to eat the asparagus or the banana or, or the oats, oats are another one. Apples are rich in prebiotic fiber. Um, pectin and apples has lots of prebiotic uh, benefits. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting. You said that, you know, the chicory roots and the inulin fibers and stuff. And so literally that entire list that you just listed off is everything that my gut hates. We could always talk right, more. So then, we could talk more about my gut at some other time. But. I was going to say, you would, you would need to address why your gut dislikes that. But, but yeah, prebiotic yeah. fibers are what's necessary for the growth and the colonization of any probiotic that you would take. So if you take a probiotic, but you're still lacking sufficient prebiotic consumption, again, it's like putting a bunch of seeds in the ground hoping that they're going to grow and then they don't really do anything. Right. Right. Now, fortunately for me, my gut health is actually in a really good place. So I'm not terribly concerned about it. I just thought it was interesting, but we could always talk. We could talk about me another day. I'll let you, I'll let you <laughs> me some other time. Um, what else do you want to tell people about poop or digestion or anything that um, maybe we didn't touch on? Cause I kind of led you in a bunch of different directions. Is there something that you're, you just really want to make sure you have points that you want to get across. Just that I think it's really important to bring attention to your bowel movements in the sense that there's a lot that, and, and again, like we didn't get a chance to go through it all, but there's a lot that your stool consistency, your stool color can tell you about what's going on inside you about what is going on, not just within your gastrointestinal tract, but what's going on within the rest of your body. Um, you know, like if you're having diarrhea, that tells you one thing as opposed to if you're having, you know, a regular bowel movement, as opposed to if you're having some of these in-between bowel movements, like sausage-like, but there's cracks on the surface or soft blobs with clear-cut edges. You know, if you have to strain to go, it's different than if you don't have to strain. Is your poop a certain color? You know, healthy, healthy bowel movements tend to be varying shades of brown due to the bile from your gallbladder being metabolized by the bacteria in your, in your intestines. But what happens if it's red? What happens if it's black? What happens if it's green? What if it floats? What if it stinks? Like these are all signs of, of gastrointestinal health and they're important things to pay attention to. Like gut health is not something that you want to just ignore. So if you're experiencing like a shift in bowel habits 
or a change in bowel habits, it's not something to brush aside. It's something to sit up and pay attention to and something to advocate for, something to address. And, and I would say not just a shift in bowel habits, but if you're somebody who's lived with the normal of only going two or three times a week, I mean, that's a problem, right? I mean, do you see, is there any situation where you see that's like, okay and shouldn't be no, addressed? No, 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 but not even just constipation. I mean, if you're somebody who is constantly getting abdominal cramps or if you're always feeling really bloated right. or if you feel really heavy after eating, or if you get really gassy, if you have like wretched gas, if, if you're battling with those types of things, that's your body telling you that something is wrong. And I think it's also important to understand that impaired gastrointestinal function, it can sometimes surface even as a non-gastrointestinal related symptom, right? So your gut could be sick and it could be manifesting in the, in the form of joint pain or in the form of migraines or brain fog or fatigue or strange skin rashes or mm. why am I all of a sudden getting acne? Yep. These are all things that, are, that can directly correlate with shifts in the microbiome or, or problems in the gastrointestinal tract. So it's important to understand that just because, you know, it's dry hair or brittle nails or dry skin, that doesn't necessarily mean you need a dermatologist. It might mean that there's a gastrointestinal issue awry. Right. No, that's, that's all really, really good points for sure. Um, anything else that you want to, I want to make sure that there wasn't anything super important you wanted to get out that I you know, again, I kind of led us in a bunch of different directions, but, um, I think this was really helpful information and, you know, what I, what I try to get across to clients, you know, most of my clients are trying to compete at some point, although we do have a lot of listeners that are just, you know, lifestyle people, they're just soccer moms and, you know, dads trying to, you know, get by and, and not feel like crap all the time. Um, but you know all those things you just mentioned, like it, your gut impacts everything, right? It 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 will have an impact on your hormones and it have an impact on your brain health. It, you know that the gut brain axis, and I talk about a lot with clients that have anxiety. I have a lot of clients with anxiety and sleep issues and and all of these things. And everybody wants to do some quick fix. Nobody wants to change their diet, right? It's just like how how hard is it to, to get your water in versus like trying to take a bunch of supplements? Can can we just try water first, right? Um, right. or, you know, or, or to change up the diet, right? Like, how about we stop drinking all the isogenic drinks? How about, how about we, we stop with all the protein treats? How about we, you know, the things that I kind of know can be triggers for people, but it's, it, you know, some people would prefer to live with constipation than give up their protein treats, which makes zero sense to me. But if you're, you know, if your digestion isn't working right, so back to my point, if you're, if you're trying to compete or if you're trying to be an athlete or you're trying to lose body fat or gain muscle or change your performance in some way, if your gut health is off, you're not, you, you will not be able to optimize those things. You just can't. No, and I think that that's, that's a, if, you, if anybody thinks otherwise, just think about it logically. Your ability to gain muscle hinges on your ability to metabolize and absorb properly the nutrients from the food that you consume. Yep. Your ability to lose body fat hinges on your body's ability to, you know, release 
certain fat stores to be able, like, it just, I don't even know how people can separate the two. I guess I'm just kind of like, how could you even not think that it's related? But, you know, there has been significant science even that, that has directly correlated certain bacterial imbalances with an inability to lose weight versus an inability to gain weight. Um, it's just body, the, the external look of the body is reflective of the inside. So you're not going to be able to maximize your physical potential externally, be that, you know, gaining muscle or losing fat or stepping on stage in your best shape possible. If your internal health, and that includes your gastrointestinal system, it's your large sensory organ. It's like over like 75% of your immune system is sick. Yep. Absolutely. And that is what, why, you know, if I have a client, I have clients going into prep and, you know, or come to me wanting to prep and they're, again, the constipation typically is the issue I face most with clients. And, you know, it's like, I can't, we can't even begin to talk about putting you on stage until your, your digestion is better. As far as I'm concerned, like I'm not, we're just, we're not going to put the cart in front of the horse because we can't optimize it that way. Right. Um, it's, but, it's very much like trying to compete with a, with hormonal imbalances. Right. You know, if your hormones are off, most people know by now that that's going to impact how they look and how they feel. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I consider, you know, the gut to be just as much, if not more of a major player. And certainly the gut interacts with your hormones and that's a whole nother podcast. But, um, basically where I was going with this is it's like a control center in your body and it sits in there and it makes little like chest moves. And so it's just like trying to compete with your hormones being off. You're not going to be able to be as productive or, you know, as you're not going to be able to reach your optimal potential if your internal health is compromised. Well, I just had a really, I just had a really funny picture about like, I could picture little bacteria like cartoons in your stomach playing chess. Yep. And you're, and I'm I just, I was like, that's the do. best visual. I was like, I've just pictured little bugs in your gut yep. <laughs> and they got a little chess game going on and they're trying to decide like, you know, who's, who's going to win. Um, but yeah, yep. I mean, I, and, uh, and again, like, even, like if you're, even if you're not an athlete, right? Like, so talking to all the, all the moms and, and some dads, we have a couple guys that listen, but all, you know, all the moms out there, you're just trying to have the energy to run after your kids or the energy to teach your kids at home online or whatever the case may be. Um, you, it, it's all, it, it comes back to the gut, right? So this is important to everybody. It's not, it's not just athletes. I know we have a lot of athletes that listen, but, um, I just, you know, I want to make sure everybody understands the importance in whatever lifestyle they are living. Absolutely. Your body is meant to eliminate on a daily basis. You should be producing a healthy bowel movement at least once a day, period. Yeah. So. All right. Cheers to poop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all the, little, all the little gut buggers that are playing chess in our, in our belly. That are playing chess in your intestines. <laughs> Oh, Allison, thank you so much. This was really, um, I mean, I even, I learned, I learned a lot of stuff and you're so smart and I'm so glad that, um, we're friends and, um, you know, and not just that, but you know, you're a, a fellow female coach and I think we, you know, we, we don't necessarily get the, um, the spotlight I think as much as some of our male counterparts, but and you and I go back and forth about that a lot, but, um, 
I'm glad that you're expanding your knowledge on this. And I'm glad that I'll have somebody that I can refer clients to that need, you know, maybe a little extra something with gut health that I just, it's beyond my, outside of my wheelhouse. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're friends. I'm glad that, you know, we have this connection and, um, and I'm glad you have a passion for this because I think it is so incredibly important. I just, I don't want, and I think you would agree with me, like the reason why I'm passionate about things like this is that I don't want anybody to have to suffer the way I did. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. It's, it sucks. Like I just remember that period of time and I'm just like, this is the most miserable like I've ever felt in my life. And it, and I don't, I don't want people to have to feel that way. Um, you know, so it's that's debilitating when your body doesn't function the way that you know in your heart that it should. And it's even more debilitating when you feel like you're not sure what to do or you have nowhere to go or no one to help you with it. And you know, that there's nobody knowledgeable who's willing to help you get to the root of the problem. You know, like, like we had mentioned, unfortunately, most Western medicine, while being well-intended, is only meant to manage the symptom. It's not meant to help you get to the root cause. Right. They're not going to help you, you know, pinpoint the lifestyle and dietary changes that you might need to make so that you have optimal gut health. And I'm thankful that there's somebody like you out there who's helping to educate their clients and educate their listeners about the importance of gastrointestinal health, particularly another female coach, because yes, it is a bug in my bonnet. However you want to say that it's a little soapbox of mine that, you know, I'll read stuff about how, you know, there's not a lot of intelligent female coaches or, you know, and, and I just, we are out there. We just may not get, you know, as much TLC as, as our male counterparts, it's unfortunately a very largely male dominated industry, but that doesn't mean that last I checked, the female brain works just as well, if not sometimes better than the male brain. And I will say, and not that there's anything wrong with working with a male coach, but if you're a female, for me, I like female doctors because I'm sorry, I don't care how much education a male doctor has. He's never experienced PMS, right? He's never experienced what that feels like. So I, I just prefer to, to, you know, um, uh, I would say education level being equal. I prefer to work with a woman. That's just my preference because I know that they have a little bit more of an understanding about my body than a male doctor would. They have a coach. experience being a female. Right. And that's so important when you're working with a coach, just like a lot of the people that come to me for coaching are people with gastrointestinal issues. And it may not even necessarily be because I know so much. It's because I have experienced myself gastrointestinal issues. So they know that when they talk to me, it's not just, I know about the gut. It's, I have felt what it feels like to be in their position. Right. And that kind of, that creates space for empathy and Empathy is different than compassion. It's different than saying, oh, I understand what you're going through. Empathy is, I have felt what you felt. Yep. And I am feeling what you're feeling. And I'm in this with you because I know what it feels like. And it, I've been there and it is hard. And that could just creates a really great space for clients to thrive when they, when they are able to connect with somebody who has been through a similar life experience. Absolutely. You are 100% on point. 
Um, and with that, I think we'll close off. Um, unless you have any other extra things you want to say before we say goodbye. No, I'm good. How can people reach you, Allie? Just, so I'll put it in the show notes too, but um, how can people reach you if they have some gut health issues they want to work with you on? So the first thing you can do is go to my website, which is AllieFitness.com. It's uh, www, uh, and then it's A-L-L-I hyphen fitness.com. Or you can simply email me, uh, Allison Moyer at live.com. Yes, it is my maiden name. And yes, I have been married for six years. And no, I have not <laughs> changed my email. So that's just the way that it goes. But it's, it's my maiden name. So it's just Allison Moyer at live.com. Or you can always get at me on social. My Instagram is probably a lot more hip happening than my uh, uh, Facebook. And that's just Allison Moyer. If you just at Allison Moyer, you'll find me. I'll pop right up. Well, awesome. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, if people have questions, feel free to reach out to Allie or, you know, reach out to me. Um, but don't live miserable. Don't live constipated and pay attention to your poop. Give your poop some love. I mean, seriously, look in the toilet and see what's going on. Right. I mean, <laughs> give your poop some love. It really doesn't get enough love. <laughs> I think that's why my son Amen. shut the door on me. He was like, what in the actual hell is my mother talking about on Right. He's like, I don't want to listen to this nope. conversation. He's like, that's why I shut the door on me. And then my dog got locked in and she, yeah. All right, Allison, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. And for everybody out there, um, I don't have Brandy to say it with me, so I'll say the whole thing. Don't get weird. Use your head. It'll all be okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.